Well, hello and welcome to The Bright Side here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. This is a show about helping you help others, as you heard in that intro there. And I am here, as always, with my father, the greatest man alive. Ah, oh, bless you. We bless are, you, my son. <laughs> we, <laughs> thank you. That actually counts. That, that means that's like a real blessing. It that's, does. I mean, that's, that's Genesis right I, there. Uh, you betcha. You betcha. I meant it. You know, remember that story? I don't feel like this gets enough... enough uh, enough press later. Uh, the one where uh, Esau was so hairy that Jacob put the, the hairy skin oh, yeah. of, of goats. I was, that's a hairy guy. I mean, like, he's like, do you feel like I'm petting a goat? Yep. This must be you. <laughs> like, that's a, I know. An unbelievably hairy person. And I mean, he had to be really hairy because the Bible really does stick to a lot of big topics. And then there, there must be three different verses about it. Like, no, you don't understand. This guy. Yikes. That was your brother's favorite Bible verse. Oh, he really? saw was a hairy man. <laughs> that's right. If you ever had to memorize, in our house growing up, you had to memorize your Bible verses to get things like dinner. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's right. There, we, we picked off all the low hanging fruit early with all the, you know, Jesus wept and Esau was a hairy man. And then you had to move on to, to ones that were longer. Uh, so today is August 17th. And uh, it's actually finally a day that's like uh, somewhat relevant to the show. You know? I know. Normally it's like National Marshmallows in Your Hot Chocolate Day or <laughs> National Ferret Day. But today, uh, what what's today, Pop? Today is uh, National Nonprofit Day, which is one of my favorite days. Now, a nonprofit does that mean that today people shouldn't make a profit? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a little bit of history of this. Our crack research department, thank you, Becky, um, looked up the history on this in um, 1894 um, when the Tariff Act was signed into law on August 17th, um, 123 years ago. It imposed the first federal in, uh, income tax uh, on uh, corporations. Huh. That was the first one. But it immediately exempted um, the uh, nonprofit and charitable organizations because they gave s- uh, so much, so many benefits to the community and to the economy. That's interesting. You don't you, just kind of that whole chronological hubris thing. You don't look back at the late 19th century and think, uh, that there would be enough nonprofit business uh, ventures, enough nonprofit organizations to help people to warrant that being specifically carved out in a bill like that. But clearly there was. Well, I mean, it was in the beginning. I, much of this country was built on um, civic organizations, um, uh, other types of gatherings uh, whose main thing was not to produce something or to make money, it was to help people. Hmm. And and so that's that's kind of how the thing got going. It makes sense because, I mean, you, we talk about the disparity now in, you know, the extremely uh, huge mammoth companies that that make up a great percentage of uh, our GDP and, and, and an even larger disparity in wealth with different people. Uh, and, and back then, Gilded Age time, like it was, it was leading into that at that point, you know, because uh, I, I think I think in the late 1890, mid-1890s, that would have been uh, right, I mean, it was right before Carnegie was coming along and doing a lot of the steel stuff, or maybe right in the middle of it all. But you have to figure that the income tax thing 
you were going to uh, hit a bunch of like gigantic, gigantic Huge. corporations. Yeah, yeah. And then a bunch of people that were like, we just like to give soup to people. <laughs> I know. Come on. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we can buy a third less soup now. <laughs> I know. This stuff isn't cheap. And then other people are just drinking liquefied gold and stuff being like, aha, I'm the richest. <laughs> this is the greatest. Well, think of how much of the population still today. There's one point. Five million registered nonprofits in the U.S. Wow, that is a lot of people connected that, to nonprofits. That's like nonprofit. That's like the organization. One point five million of the actual organization. Wow, that's yeah. really, really registered in the U.S. Really something. I, uh, I, I, you know, I know the whatever the code thing is for that is five hundred one c three because I heard Josh say that a yeah, bunch that's of times. Right. <laughs> that's, I, I don't know yeah. anything beyond that or what that even is in reference to. <laughs> it might be the batteries they our use. Guests, our guests may be able to tell yeah, us. That, but... Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's <laughs> possible. Um, and then speaking of uh, of of just uh, business and uh, the occasional uh, greed and, uh, uh, and and corporate takeover uh, and the opposite side of that, which would be. Uh, Communism and Socialism, this day in 1846, George Orwell published Animal Farm, which is a, uh, a book about a farmer who loves his animals. No, it's not. <laughs> it, it is a thinly, thinly veiled allegory, you know, pointing, uh, pointing fingers at what at that point was Stalin's kind of bloodthirsty rise to power and, and, uh, and some of the dangers of 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 what was going on in in Stalinist Russia? He That's was taking a swipe mildly. at the stage. He was taking a swipe at the stage, man. <laughs> you, you know, it's it's so uh, fascinating to me. W was this required reading when you were going through elementary school? Because uh, it was when I was no there. no it wasn't or, no. or high school maybe yeah, yeah high school probably be, but. Uh, it was required reading, um, and it's probably because I went through elementary school in the 50s yeah. <laughs> during the Cold War. <laughs> exactly. So here, kids, read this. The main thing we need to teach you <laughs> is don't be a commie. <laughs> That's right. That's our goal. Because they're all over the place. <laughs> That's right. They're everywhere. I could be one. Never trust anyone. Yeah. That's right. The 50s. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a fascinating book. Yeah. It's, uh, it, was, uh, it was not super well received originally because he was he you know published in 46 but he was writing it about two years before that, just in like when when the war was was raging, you know, and if you go to two years before the war being World War II, and if you go to two years before that and you're in 1944 and you're depending on the Soviet Union yeah. to uh, stomp down everything happening on the whole Eastern Front uh, and, and they're the whole reason that we are, you know, about to win the war and stuff, or at least... Uh, a decent part of it. They're they're the other side of the scissors, and one sided scissors aren't very useful. Um, and so he, he got a little flack originally because people were like, "Hey, hey, cool it, man!" I know. Hey, he wrote it between I think it was November of forty three and you know sometime in forty four during a like a six month period. But that would have been. Um, kind of a ticklish, as you're saying, yeah. ticklish time to write it because those were our allies. Yeah, yeah. like, hey, hey, he's got like 20 million people. <laughs> like, really, you know. I, know. Right. I mean, we, again, again, gulags are bad. Yeah, we're with you. Just, I know. You slaughtered a lot. He slaughtered a lot of people, but you, come on. You he's... artists, just just quiet sometimes. But then when it came out, it was 46. And uh, and then the, the cold, it did not take long for the, the hot war, war of World War II to yeah. turn into a cold war. That's right. 
Uh, and it wasn't very long after that that Stalin was like, look all these bums I've made. <laughs> and then they're like, this book is brilliant. You are, you are a future, you are a soothsayer, George Orwell. We all, we liked it from the beginning. So, uh, but now it's become, become more popular. Um, so, uh, and, and one of the things uh, that, that Russia at that time that the Soviet Union uh, did a, did a poor job of, I would say, is a sub, a supporting uh, small business and entrepreneurial growth. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? That's right. <laughs> and I feel like that's such a good segue. It, it kind of, yeah, they, they kind of accumulated everything into this big machine. Yes, yeah, yes. Instead and, of... And one of the things that is true of, of our, our modern society and of, of job growth and of increased uh, um, wealth and reduction of poverty for everyone, a kind of a rising tide that will ri- raise all ships, is small business growth uh, and small business um, starting, uh, the, the nascent growth of new small businesses, you know, the ones that are just being born into existence. Uh, and so it's very important to have a way to foster that and support that. Our guest today, I would say, I, I'm just going to say, I would right, call him the czar. The czar, <laughs> you know, just because we, you know, for, the former, From before, just yeah. time, yeah. you know, Our, the czar, the czar, small business, the Nicholas the Second of small business. <laughs> uh, and I, I really do feel like it'd be hard to hard to have anyone on the show that has had more of a direct influence uh, on. Uh, turning Orlando into this this kind of mecca for small business, yeah. this this place that is doing things that aren't being done anywhere in the world. Epicenter. The, we ep- are the that's epicenter. a good center. Oh, that's a good seismologist term for that, and I think that's accurate. It yeah. is. So when we come back from this break, uh, we're going to introduce you to today's guest, and we're going to talk to him about all the wise things he has to say about growing small businesses in Florida. Hello and welcome back to The Bright Side here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. This is a show that's just about nice stuff, helping you help others. <laughs> that's right. You know, that's the whole idea We're of the cheerful. show. We're cheerful here. It's why we thought, <laughs> should we call this the dark side? No. No. No, it's the bright side. <laughs> and so on this show, we like to have people who are doing that, who make it their business to help other people. Um, and Jerry Ross is is that person, maybe exemplified better than most because, uh, you know, there's that, that whole... Uh, trope of, you know, the person that climbs the rope and then pulls it up after him, you know, to keep everybody else down. Um, but but then there are people like you. Thank you for being here, first off. Yeah. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Um, yeah. And you are in the business of, you know, creating new ropes and better ropes and throwing them down and trying to bring everybody up um, because of what you do now currently. Um, and so, uh, Pop, you know more about the the kind of background of the actual, uh, <clears throat> what's what's happening with it. You know, there's a, there's a, a dynamo. There's an engine that's that's in, that's trying to foster growth of small businesses yeah. in Orlando, and yeah. Jerry has a lot to do with that. And so, why did you want him to be on the well, show? Well, Jerry and I go back a long since way since you know all the cool people. <laughs> 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 we go back a long way, and uh, he. I've always been a, a big fan of his, um, and um, <clears throat> and and so. But b- that aside, <clears throat> I deal with the the folks in the community that. Um, are different than the one you you, you deal with uh, as a physician. Um, you you deal with the physically impaired. I usually deal with the financially impaired and those that have been marginalized and and are having a difficult time. <clears throat> and so I'm very interested in raising the level of fortune and availability of um, 
being able to use their energy effectively. And so when we talk about small businesses, and one, th- one of the things that Jerry will talk about if we ever give him a chance, um, is that it, this is the most effective thing that a community can do to the rising tide raises all boats kind of, th- kind of thing. <clears throat> and so I wanted to invite Jerry on because he really is a nationally known uh, conference speaker, coach, um, about small business and entrepreneurship. Um, and Orlando has an outstanding place, uh, not only in the nation, but in the world because of his leadership. And so, uh, Jerry, welcome. Tell us, how, tell us how you kind of how you got there. Give us a little short bio, uh, but then we want to launch into the fascinating things that you were telling us about the place of Orlando and entrepreneurship in our community. Sure. I'd love to do that. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here today. I'm already having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I grew up one of 11 children, and my dad said, uh, you need to go to college and uh, you need to pay for it. And so I became uh, an entrepreneur very early age, Mm -hmm. uh, painting houses and mowing lawns and newspaper routes and those kind of things. Uh, I sold my first business when I graduated from high school. Uh, I sold my second one when I graduated from college. And then I went to work for the largest corporation in America, AT&T. And that was uh, right during the breakup of the Bell System. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, I was not the cause of the breakup (laughs) of the Bell System. Uh, But that gave me a lot of opportunity because in chaos, there's always opportunity. And uh, so I went from there to a mainframe software company. Uh, I was one of their uh, first hundred employees. We ended up going public. And uh, that was in the late 80s when software was very hot. Yeah. And so um, at the time, we launched a product that helped IBM mainframes. And uh, during that period of time, I thought, you know, I really need to get back to my entrepreneurial roots. And that's what I love to do. And so a a friend of mine was starting a business here in Orlando. And and my wife and I moved here in in 1989 to Central Florida. And uh, by 1990, we were penniless. Wow. <laughs> we did a lot of planning and a lot of praying, and uh, uh, it didn't work. It was one of those ideas that it sounded great, and we couldn't work any harder, and it just didn't work. Mm. And so— It's just one of those one of those lesser-known riches-to-rag stories where you're just like, well, <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. You go the opposite <laughs> way, yeah. <laughs> well, let's try that and see if it works. Yeah. Uh, and so th- that was a period of time where uh, 1990 was a, a recession time. And uh, we were cash flowing, but not making any money. And so I, I said, this, this is not a good thing. And, and I've learned my second MBA, this one from the streets. Hmm. Uh, but I found myself uh, sweeping the floors of the Orlando Arena after a Rod Stewart concert to pay my rent. Hmm. And I thought this was not what I had planned. Uh, but in being there, I saw people who would uh, drink beer that other people left behind and, and eat popcorn that other people left behind. And mm. I, I saw firsthand real need, mm. real poverty. And so while I knew I would make it back, you know, once you've gone to the doctor's office, you know how to find your way back. Mm-hmm. And so with, with the support of my family, uh, my faith, uh, my education, I, I knew I would be back. But that made me a much better business owner uh, the second time. So within a year, I was back in my own business. It was a lighting company that I didn't know a whole lot about, but I knew a little bit about marketing. <laughs> and that ended up being the, the company that provided the lights in the sky at Pleasure Island for Walt Disney World and lit up the, the shuttle on the launch pad at night at NASA. Uh, but it became a, a business that we could grow and scale, uh, but also one that we could hire people. Hmm. And, and giving someone a job is, is a great way to, 
to change their life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we would start them out uh, in the warehouse and say, prove that you've got discipline and that you can show up and do the job and then we'll get you where you need to be. Mm -hmm. And so that was very rewarding. We ended up uh, doing Super Bowls and Olympics and concert tours. And eventually I was bought out and uh, that brought me back to, I say brought me back. It got me off the road yeah. uh, so I could spend more time here in Orlando. And I ended up working with uh, UCF to help small businesses. And that was the group that eventually started the Entrepreneur Center. That's, that's fascinating. Now, the the national entrepreneur 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 entrepreneur. Thank you. <laughs> I don't speak French. <laughs> That's right. Center. <laughs> um, uh, I feel like the more the more I learn about it, the more it feels like it is this unbelievably well kept secret. Like it's not intentionally a secret, but you know, I I was a small business starter, and and you know, we had to grow things and all that stuff. And, and, uh, like you said, before we started recording, you know, it's, it's a, it's a deal where you're, when you're in it, you're looking down the whole time and you don't have time to look around for this stuff. Right. Um, but, but tell us a little bit about, uh, about that. I mean, I'm sure that from your, um, story, I mean, what is such a neat idea of your sweeping after the Rod Stewart concert and then next you're lighting up the shuttle for NASA. I mean, that's a, it's the type of thing everybody dreams of, of like, yes, I wish I could do that. How did you, how did you get back to where you said, was it after the, the, you were bought out with the lighting company that you said, Hey, this seems like a neat thing to do. And you started working there or how did that work? That well, transition? Well, uh, when, when I was bought out, I, uh, had to work for them for a few years to, to get, to fulfill my contract. Uh, when I came back to Orlando, I thought, how do I help others and, and build their businesses? Because entrepreneurship's hard, as you know, mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes it's pretty lonely, mm -hmm. and and there isn't any one book on how to do it or any one way. Every if you've met one entrepreneur, you've met one entrepreneur. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no two are alike. <laughs> and so uh, the, the UCF Small Business Development Center uh, gave me an opportunity to coach, and I said, I'm an entrepreneur, so I want to help, and I'll come and coach until I get my next idea, and then I got to go. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a couple of years there when they moved to the the uh, initial Entrepreneur Center. And then I left and uh, was publishing a magazine and uh, flipping properties and building warehouses and doing my mm -hmm. entrepreneurial thing. And uh, a few years after that, they came back and said, what do you think about coming back and running the Entrepreneur Center? And mm. I thought, I've been preparing all my life to yeah. do this job. Uh, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, Jerry, you said, um, you know, you, when you've met one entrepreneur, you, you met one entrepreneur. But obviously there are there are principles that are kind of broadly applied. Everyone who's trying to start up something or, or get something new going, what are some of the things that people with a dream have to keep in mind? Absolutely. Uh, every entrepreneur is different, but the basics of small business are the same. Uh, you've got to have a good idea. Uh, and sometimes it's a, an idea that people will pay money for. <laughs> and so uh, you can have a great idea and great brochures, but if people aren't, don't want it and are mm -hmm. not willing to pay for it, uh, then you've got a good idea with brochures. That's, that's not uh, going to help you survive. Mm -hmm. Some people have a hobby uh, that they want to make a business. And a hobby doesn't have to make money, but a business does. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to have a boat and go out and cruise uh, as your hobby, that's great. Uh, nobody really cares about how much that costs. But if you want to have a boating business, then you have to say who will pay for it and how do I make a profit? So it's, it's basics of business planning. It's testing the idea to make sure that it is a viable idea that can make money. 
uh, testing your price point <laughs> because a lot of friends love you and they they want you to be happy. So they say, go do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I think follow your heart. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's right. Um, that's, uh, boy, is that accurate too? Because they would, they, people would be like, oh, oh, your business of having people watch you on your boat is great. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Go, go watch. <laughs> we have to go to a break here in just a second. But uh, the question that I want to start with when we get back, uh, and just to, just to give you a lead time and to whet the appetite of uh, people listening, uh, is when you hear something like anything that sounds too good to be true, seems like, it, well, it must be too good to be true. And so the idea that I'm, I would imagine some people have listening to this is, why would a place be willing to offer free advice and resources and, and ways to grow other businesses. I mean, what's, what's the, what, well, what are you getting out of that? Uh, what, and, uh, and I think the answer has, as you were saying before, something to do with the city as well. Um, and so, but clearly you'll say it better than I can. Uh, so when we, when we come back from this, I don't break, know about that. <laughs> we'll hear more from Jerry Rass. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back to the bright side here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. This is a show that's about helping you help others. Uh, this is a show that's just about helping people. Yeah. That's like our favorite thing. Number one, it's our, on the top of the list. Number help two, people. Ice cream. Uh, <laughs> help people. So today, today we have uh, Jerry Ross, who is in the business of helping people. And I mean, literally in the business, because there are um, a lot of entrepreneurs who are looking for, uh, um, a way to succeed, uh, to grow a business, to kind of do this lifelong dream that they've had to start a new business. Um, and there's not a, there's not a ton of, uh, resources out there. Uh, at least that's the feeling sometimes. And then you come along and you say, oh, wait a minute, there, there is, there's this whole entrepreneur center. Uh, this is what we do. And I was saying before the break, you know, I can imagine people hearing that and thinking, Hey, I've had 10 people this week say something that they can help me with, but it turns out it's something that they're wanting my help. You know, there, you know, there's always a catch. Um, what's the, what's the idea behind it? Is it, is it just purely charitable? Is there, a, is there an economic incentive behind it for the city? What, how does it, why, why does it exist? <laughs> well, it, the story goes back to uh, prior to 2003 uh, when we opened we had just had a, a terrible economic event in the country with 2011, 9-11. Uh, and so people were afraid to fly. We're a tourist destination. Mm. Uh, businesses were struggling. And the community, our visionary leadership of our community said, what can we do to help these businesses? And so the idea became the National Entrepreneur Center. And so let me take it first from the economics. Mm. There were all of these organizations located here in Central Florida that were nonprofit that wanted to help small businesses uh, from our UCF Small Business Development Center to our SCORE chapters, uh, all of the chambers, the Hispanic Chamber, the Asian American Chamber, the African American Chamber, all dedicated to helping small businesses. But they each had their own training rooms, they had their own conference rooms, they had their own phone systems, and they were all supported by the community. And so the National Entrepreneur Center became uh, a way for for the community to use those leverage or those limited community resources and leverage them through 14 organizations that live at the center today. So okay. we don't have 14 conference rooms or 14 training rooms or 14 phone systems. We have one that we all share. And so the cost went down and the numbers went up because those organizations became uh, able to share and say, I don't have to do it all. The person in the office next to me has a specialty in that. 
And so the National Entrepreneur Center economically became a model of efficiency, but also a model of leverage to allow those organizations to have facilities and technology that none of them could afford by themselves. And, and so, Jerry, <clears throat> and this is a small point, but just interest. Uh, so this was backed by um, Orange County government. Orange and County Disney government. And, and, and some of the larger corporations interested in improving the economy of the community. You bet. And so it wasn't where every business had to chip in so much of their no. their profit or something mm -hmm. like that. No, this became an, an initiative by our community. It was first with Mayor Rich Crotty. Uh -huh. The SBA had an idea of, of let's do this, and they started one in San Jose, a different model. Uh, Mayor Crotty said, we should probably look at this for Central Florida. He was joined by Dr. Hitt from UCF mm -hmm. and Al Weiss, originally from Disney. Yeah and said, we can do this to help the community. And so today we have 12 public and private funders who say, let's do this for the small businesses of our community. Now, you turn around and say, this is my second point, we build better vendors for all of those companies. Because if a company comes to them and, and they want to use small businesses, but maybe they're not performing, or maybe they're not equipped, or, or maybe they need capital and they're, they're unsure how to get their financials together. Now there's a place they can go and get that help, and that builds stronger vendors to supply the companies that want to move here mm. to say, we need the support services and they need to be top shelf. Well, just to reintroduce uh, what we're talking about here, um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Bright Side, and this is this show that uh, about helping you to help other people. And uh, we have with us today Jerry Ross, who uh, runs this National Entrepreneur Center, um, and it has... I, I, from what you were saying earlier, um, Orlando, it's not just like, wow, we're, 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 we're rising and, and it's getting a little bit better to start a business. You were, I mean, some of the stats you were saying earlier are really impressive. Since, since, we've, um, since we've been focusing on you know, fostering small business and growth and stuff, what's, what's been going on in Orlando as far as job growth and job potential and uh, you know, starting a new business? It, this has become, when they started the center in 2003, Five years later, it only took five years, in a survey of 55 cities, the Biz Journal's newspaper survey, Orlando, Florida was named the number one place in America to start and grow a small business. Wow. Really? And, yeah, like in 2008, that would have been. That's, yes. that's incredible. In 2009, Entrepreneur Magazine named us one of the top 10 cities in America for starting and growing businesses. And they actually called out the National Entrepreneur Center as one of the reasons why. Nice. Mm -hmm. Because we're we're collaborating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're working together instead of in those cylinders mm -hmm. uh, that work independently. But we're also providing an efficient resource for entrepreneurs. They can go to one place. They don't have to go to 14 different places mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. Central Florida. Mm -hmm. And so it's efficient for the community. It's efficient for our business community to find suppliers. But it's also efficient for the entrepreneurs themselves. That's really interesting. Um, oh, you were going to say Well, something. I was just, I don't know how much time we got left, but... I think about three. Okay, I think part of the fascination of this for me is the larger picture of job creation in America and how many of those jobs are created through the establishment of new startup small businesses. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, how much would, uh, for for a new job when they say this many jobs were created? What what percentage of those are coming from new businesses versus established ones that are that are like you know. Coca-Cola, stuff like that. Well, you know how they say uh, 
figures lie and liars figure. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> it depends on how you look at those numbers. But the the research says that all new net jobs and and net jobs mean new jobs. Mm-hmm. When you hear jobs, you, sometimes you hear that Ford is is hiring 2,500 people, but the next article says uh, Chrysler may be ha- laying off 5,000. Mm. And so th- that's a net negative. So when you look at net new jobs, there are small businesses because typically they're inefficient and they need people. Mm. Uh, as they grow and become more profitable in order to serve the shareholders, they use technology to get rid of people. And so you need that entrepreneurial churn, the starting and and failing of small businesses in a community, not only to build innovation, but to accelerate job creation. That's fascinating. And and so all new net jobs, you didn't finish that sentence. Uh, Come from small businesses less than five years old. That is. Isn't that fascinating? That really is fascinating. But I believe it because I was, uh, I had to to pick something up at like 10 p.m., uh, 9 p.m., some uh, at at Target the other Mm -hmm. night. And, uh, I, there was literally, it was just me. Like I, I was the, I was the shopper and then also the cashier person. And I was like, wait a minute, Uh, but that's an, it's an example, you know, the technology, it says, Hey, if we can pay one for one time for this machine, but Hey, we'll get it. It'll be cheaper because we're buying a hundred thousand of them at that. That's going to be cheaper than wages over a long period of time. Exactly. And so it makes a lot of sense. And when there's a movement on, especially on minimum wage, uh, businesses have a tight profit margin and they mm-hmm. start saying, do I use technology mm-hmm. to replace people? Yeah. That's part of one of my initiatives is to get some, get robot minimum wage, you know, cause then <laughs> I feel like we'll right. solve a lot of yeah. issues there. <laughs> if the robot's like, what about my rights? <laughs> I want vacation. <laughs> I want vacation. Um, so we've got to go to a break here in a second. Um, but you were, you were uh, throwing out uh, a trim. You are so well-versed on this uh, that I couldn't uh, keep up trying to write notes when we were chatting a little bit beforehand, but I want to go through some of those stats that you were talking about, uh, about the percentages of business that have less than 10 people and more than 10 sure. people and how they contribute to job growth. Um, but first we have to go to this break to hear from some of our sponsors, uh, who are, uh, also creating jobs. You know, they're, they're Absolutely. also trying, some of them have been around less than five years. All right. We'll be back in just a minute. Hello and welcome back to the bright side here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. It's the last segment. Oh, oh man. And now the time has come. <laughs> the time I hate it when you say that. Sunset. <laughs> um, this is a show that's about helping you help others. And uh, Joel Hunter and I are here. I'm also Joel Hunter. There's two of us. And uh, this this show is uh, some of the some of our favorite episodes of this uh, are shows like today, where we get to talk to somebody who is uh, so well versed, who is a, a ninja of helping other people. Uh, <laughs> I was a czar a few minutes ago. <laughs> <That's> I, right. <laughs> now I'm a ninja. It's really, just kind of if you reach the peak at any field, politically right. it's czar. And uh, the rodeo clown is next. <laughs> you know. That's peak bravery. Um, so uh, so Jerry Ross uh, runs this this uh, it's National Entrepreneur Center, and National really should. You know, it it belongs in the title because you're you're you know you're actually talking to the director of the Small Business Association and stuff. I mean, that's somebody that you're having repeated meetings with to talk about job growth because you've become kind of a go-to expert in this field. Um, and and all of that labor has led to Orlando being this place. And I don't think everyone knows this that Orlando is is one of, if not the best, job creating places in the country. In the country, yeah. Um, and and that is because you've kind of looked at the science of it and said, hey. Companies that are this small and have been around this long, they hire 
a lot more people and stuff. Can you tell us, walk us through that a little bit and why focusing on that was important? Sure, because there, there are levels of business. And so when we look at breaking down uh, businesses through the employee lens, uh, stage one is zero to 10 employees. And, and in Florida, the, the companies headquartered in Florida, about 83% of them have less than 10 employees. 83%. So of all the businesses headquartered in Florida, right. 83% have less than 10 employees. That's correct. That's incredible. And so now Disney's not headquartered here. They're headquartered in Anaheim. But we have lots of headquarters like Tupperware and, and AAA who are headquartered here. Uh, but we're talking about the state of Florida. Those 83% of those businesses with less than 10 employees produce about 38% of the jobs in Florida. Gotcha. Thirteen percent of the businesses headquartered in Florida have between ten and a hundred employees, and they produce about thirty-three percent of the jobs in Florida. And so, if we can move a company from stage one to stage two, we get an exponential increase in jobs. Mm. And so, the visionary leadership of this community said, "How do we meet those businesses where they are and move them forward? Give them the resources they need, and sometimes that's just a connection." And that allows them to scale. And when they scale, we create jobs for, for in an exponential way, which makes Orlando one of the top job creators. So part of the goal that, that you've got and part of the, stri- the, stri- I almost the strategy, said, I almost said it. I, almost <laughs> I saw it. I, I saw it coming. Strategic. And that's the problem with, with jokingly saying a word a bunch of times. It's like I it's know. in there now. Strategy. <laughs> but, uh, but part of the strategy is, is to move businesses from that first category of less than 10 employees into that second category. That's correct. Because as you do that, then they're hiring more and it makes room for more of those first tier businesses and, and, and then it just grows from there. That's correct. Uh, when we manage the center, we talk about a unity of purpose with a continuity of effort. Okay. Our unity of purpose is we meet people who walk through the front door from wherever they're from. They could be visiting Orlando from, from Texas or, or Maine. Whoever walks through our front door, we meet them where they are and move them forward. And so that could be someone with an idea that we say, you know what? Let's talk about that before you invest your, your yeah. fortune. Well, that, that's what I wanted to ask you is, you know, I, you know, I'm driving right now listening to this and I am, I'm amazingly good at making candles and everyone wants to buy my candles. I think maybe I could turn this into a business or, you know, fill in the blank, you know, for the thing. Yes. That person listening, if they say, I'm interested enough to wonder what I even would do with this, what, what would you say to them? Well, first of all, I would say go to our website, which is nationalec.org. Nationalec.org. Org. And I bet EC stands for Entrepreneur Center. Entrepreneur Center. That's you, you're sharp. <laughs> and I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. <laughs> but by going there, uh, we have a listing of all 14 organizations that live at the center and what they specialize in. So if you're a candle maker and you're saying, you know, I'm, I've got this idea, uh, you may want to talk to someone about a business plan. Mm. You can meet with a SCORE counselor absolutely free mm. to talk about how you get your business plan together. Mm. But let's say you're in the candle business, you've been doing it for 30 years, and now you want to export your candles. We have the U.S. Department of Commerce there. Really? Who is a federal government employee whose only job is to help Central Florida companies export more stuff. What? That's, that's <laughs> incredible. I really did not know. Yeah. This sounds like a pain surprise, but that's not. That's amazing. <laughs> but, yeah. the, but you have to be export ready. And so if you're not, we connect you to the Central Florida International Trade Office that says, okay, you want to do international trade? How do we get you ready? to do that. Wow. Because if you or I were going to call Brazil and say, we want to sell you stuff, 
They would mm-hmm. say, get off my phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when the U.S. That's, government that's calls. That's happened to me before. Actually. They're like, is it this guy again? Yeah. Oh. Me too. Because that you again, Jerry? Anybody down there need Isaac? Get off my phone. When the U.S. government calls, they say, where would you like to meet and when? Huh. And so that's ex- that's putting Central Florida on the, the front lines of now import and export international trade. We have a port within an hour and a half of either coast, and we have an airport that's that's growing in international trade. And so this is part of the campaign of the Orlando. You don't know the half of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we're known worldwide for tourism. We're becoming known for entrepreneurship. That's really So just to repeat that, um, th- again, this is uh, the bright side, but it's the end of the show now. So it, it hardly matters if you know what <laughs> show it is. Where you been? <laughs> we missed you. Uh, you should catch it. You can catch this on the podcast. Good. If you listen to it later, it's on iTunes uh, with the bright side with Joel C. Hunter. So, um, I want to make sure that we get that website right. So for the National Entrepreneur Center, you're you're in Orlando. You have a business that either anywhere in the stage from it's an idea. I don't have a business. I have an idea all the way to international I, trade. I got 18 employees and we're looking to move it to so that we can start sending some of our candles to, uh, you know, Brazil. You bet. Any of that, nationalec.org. Dot org. Okay. And that's where you can see the services that are available in the different organizations. Or you can come to the Fashion Square Mall. Mm-hmm. We have a whole wing of Fashion Square Mall, which is at the corner of Colonial and McGuire. It's 3201 East Colonial Drive. Or you can call us at 420-4848. And, and so then once you help them, then do you demand half of all of their profits from that point forward? Well, no, no, no. That's not the deal. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> the so coaching, it's better than that. The coaching yeah. is free. Yeah. Uh, we, have, we had 400 business seminars last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they run anywhere from $20 to $100, but it might be somebody that you would pay uh, $150 an hour as a consultant. Yeah, but it's a seminar. Teaching I mean, I, those I, classes. It's a thing where you're, yeah, like it's not like right. a, it's a thing where you're like, hey, it'd be interesting. I'd go to that, right. that type of thing. We have yeah. a computer lab that has access to business plan software, has access to databases. Uh, so you can s- search uh, your target market, which becomes almost like a hit list for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, it becomes a way to, to target what businesses are happening in the area. So if you come in and say, I want to open a Chinese restaurant downtown, and we say, how many restaurants are there downtown? And they go, none. Hmm. You know, we can go and say, no, there's about 38 Chinese restaurants downtown and yeah. here's where they are. Uh, and so we use it as a tool to help, but, but, and that's free. If, if we're not teaching in that room, the computer access is free. So some people just stop by uh, throughout the day to pick up their email. Yeah. It's a great place to meet really entrepreneurs. Nice. Huh. Um, so we only have like 90 seconds left, but I, I wanted to hear from you, Pop. Why do you think this is important in moving things, you know, moving, moving us all forward and, and helping people that need it? Well, as I said before, um, first place, theologically, you know, you're a physician, I'm a pastor, and I'll, I'll always have that heart. <clears throat> I want people to exercise the gifts they've been given. I want them to be developed in ways that supply the world with something that only comes through them. And entrepreneurial um, um, coaching uh, is a way to get that done. And then, of course, as we said before, we are interested in raising uh, the economic health of our community so that those that are struggling can give a good living to their family and be contributors to the community. And so uh, the National Entrepreneur Center is, is is a chief um, beneficiary, or I'm sorry, benefactor, uh, when it comes to doing that for our community. Thank you, Jerry, for what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's really, really nice that you were on the show because you really do exemplify the thing that we talk about. I mean, the, the whole idea of this show is that uh, 
we, people, there's helpers out there and people want to help. And, and sometimes it's equipping people that want to help. And sometimes it's, it's helping people, but uh, you make it your business to help people to grow their business. Right. And, uh, and so if you're, uh, if you're uh, listening and you have any uh, interest in the business side of things at all, or any entrepreneurial interest, uh, then nationalec.org would be the website to visit. Uh, until then, uh, go help somebody and we'll see you next time here on The Bright Side. Yeah.